0: Welcome to the Misty Bloom Book Club. This is Ada. I hope you're taking good care of yourself and doing well. In this episode, I'm going to be reviewing White Tiger by Aravind Adiga. We are heading up to India. <laughs> But before we take off to India, your pilot would like to remind you that you can support future episodes of this podcast by becoming a member of the Misty Bloom Book Club. There are amazing perks attached to membership. Go to mistybloom.com to find out what they are or if membership is not your thing. Leave me a nice tip in the tip jar. Okay, so as we always do, I'll start with a quick synopsis of White Tiger. The novel White Tiger is named after the central character, Balwan Halwa'i. I probably butchered that last Name. Anyway, Balwan Hawaii is called a white tiger as a child by an elementary school inspector because Balwan displays uncommon promise amidst the crushing poverty and hopelessness of Laxmangar, the Indian village in which he is born and raised. And this nickname, White Tiger, sticks. And for those who may not know, white tigers are very rare in the wild. So that's why the inspector called Balwan a white tiger. So it's kind of similar to being called a unicorn. However, Balwan, in spite of the promise he shows, but because of the very limited opportunities that are available to someone who is, you know, the poorest of the poor and is from a family that is so low on the social ladder. So instead, Balwan ends up as a personal driver and servant in Delhi to a rich guy named Ashok, who is the American educated son of the landlord slash loan shark slash exploiter slash feudal lord of Laxmangar, their village, which I mentioned earlier. And so even though the book starts out with Balwan's severely impoverished childhood and being taken out of school to support his family by working in a tea shop, the large majority of the book follows his experience working as a driver and personal servant to Ashok, and often Ashok's entire family. And the novel just chronicles the indignities, mistreatment, and dehumanization that come from doing service work in India. But also Also, more importantly, White Tiger is a censure of India's corrupt government, India's wealthy elites, India's dirty politics, the systemic corruption, the caste system, and the resultant and widespread poverty that all these factors mixed together end up shackling millions of Indian citizens in dire destitution and hardship. Okay, take a deep breath. I know that was a lot. But anywho, to me, the book actually seemed to start out as a satire. It is written in the first-person narrative style, of the eye. So Balwan Hawaii is our narrator, our protagonist and we encounter India and all of the secondary characters through his eyes and through his experiences. White Tiger is structured as a letter so Balwan is writing a letter to the premier of China who is scheduled to visit India. And the premise here is that Balwan is informing the premier of China of the true realities of India and not the polished I guess Bollywood Namaste pacifist Gandhi Taj Mahal version of India that the premier of China is obviously going to be fed through your, you know, regular diplomatic channels. So in Balwan's letter to the Premier of China, he discusses government corruption and its ripple effects, such as, you know, withholding teachers' salaries for months on end, which causes desperate teachers to understandably steal from students by doing things like selling their government assigned uniforms, stealing their lunch money... In the letter, Balwan talks about how government corruption and embezzlement leads to grossly underfunded government hospitals, absentee doctors. Balwan tells the premier of China about how the poorest of the poor have to rely on loan sharks and debt themselves so deeply. And you know, as all these things happen, it's always the people at the bottom of the totem pole who suffer the most. And because of how destitute people are, the poorest of the poor even see marriage dowries as an opportunity to extort their in-laws. So these are all the issues Balwan's letter discusses and in a nutshell is what White Tiger by Aravind Adiga is about. Okay, let me start with where I thought the novel worked. The big positive is that Aravind Adiga really put me in the driver's seat totally intended, <laughs> of what it means to be a personal chauffeur and servant. So, <laughs> and this is funny, interestingly enough, I've always been weirded out by the idea of being a taxi or Uber driver. I'd have way too much anxiety and trust issues about just strangers in the back seat. I don't know what's going on back there. They could be pulling out a knife. They could be planning to stab me. So just the idea of it freaks me out. And I've always thought that taxi drivers and Uber drivers who do this type of job are really brave. So this this novel put me in the driver's seat and helped me face some of these anxieties that I've imagined around being a driver, but I still know I couldn't do it. Uh-uh. Yes, I do realize the scenarios here are a little bit different In White Tiger Balwan is driving his employer not shuttling a bunch of random strangers around, but it was still helpful to me to imagine myself in the driver's seat and props to cab drivers who bravely shuttle around strangers, including myself, in their back seats. But back to the novel, I liked how the author wrote about the goings-on that can happen while being confined within such a small air-conditioned space. I found this aspect of the novel compelling. It had hints of domestic noir to it, tension building in that intimate space, and something else I found really startling is that while there is an intimacy that naturally occurs between a chauffeur and his employer because of the large amounts of time spent together in that small moving rectangular box however and in spite of this intimacy the person who sits in the front and is steering the vehicle is still worlds apart from the wealthy owner sitting in the back I could have lived with this being the entirety of the book. I thought it was an interesting idea that could have been explored a lot further. I thought this was the premise that author should have based the novel on, and Balwan could have made his observations on India from the inside of the car. Okay, so sadly, this is all that I thought was successful about the book. So I'm going to shift gears and talk about what I thought was unsuccessful about White Tiger by Aravind Adiga. But before I do, you know what to do. Make sure to like this episode, leave a comment, subscribe to the podcast, join my mailing list. It is so lit. And the best part? I don't spam. You should also check out my novel Oyibo, spelled O-Y-I-B-O, exclusively available on Amazon. Click around on mistybloom.com for more information. Okay, so if you recall from earlier when I drew you a quick synopsis of White Tiger, I talked about how this novel is an excoriation of India's widespread government corruption and how this manifests itself in soul-crushing poverty among millions of Indian citizens. And this is what this book is about. And for this reason, it read like it'd be much better suited to non-fiction. I don't know why Aravind Adiga made the creative choice to write his censure of India using fiction as his vehicle always intended. Ah. So if you go revisit episode 2 of the season of the Misty Bloom Book Club, one of my critiques of the novel that I reviewed in episode 2, Season of Crimson Blossoms by Abubakar Adam Ibrahim, is that the author is a journalist, and that was obvious from the stiffness of the writing. I also brought up how I saw the same thing in ta Coates' Water Dancer, and I see it here in White Tiger, but multiplied. White Tiger felt rigid and unforgiving in its style. So I googled to see if Aravind Adiga is a journalist and he is. I think I have a journalist radar. (laughs) Like, I can spot journalists writing fiction from a mile away. I wish though that White Tiger had been written as nonfiction. But also I'm not advocating to limit anyone's creative choices or expression. It's just my opinion of what I think would have been ultimately more successful in telling the story. But hey, this book is award winning so what do I know? Um, secondly I did not find the premise of Balwan Hawaii writing to the premier of China as believable or realistic. I know it was supposed to be funny, haha, but to me it was silly. It was a very weak and transparent plot device that didn't set up the story well and didn't hold water for me. Like I said earlier, a non-fiction approach would have been the correct choice. But even going down this fictional path, I mentioned earlier that I thought approaching the entire book from Balwan's perspective from the inside of the car would have been original and plausible. You know, moving from the inside of the car and then moving outwards the outside world and then shrinking back in to the inside of the car and just going back and forth that way would have been 100% more effective. Like, why would a barely literate driver choose writing a letter to a random visiting foreign dignitary as an opportunity to tell his life story? It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Here's a writing tip for my listeners. If your protagonist is going to tell their life story, it has to be hinged upon some very high stakes. Something important or significant has to trigger your protagonist into narrating their life story people just don't share their life stories and their deepest darkest secrets unprompted or because of a matter so removed from their daily reality like a foreign dignitary visiting their country come on and when you're writing a novel the stakes have to be even a little bit higher than in real life for dramatic effect if you need successful examples of how to do this well you can check out so long a letter by mariama ba yes so long a letter is obviously premised on an actual letter and so it's an appropriate example. So long a letter is a letter from the central character to her best friend about her failing marriage. Completely believable that that could and does happen, you know, to write letters to your best friends about your marital problems. And you can also check out my novel, Oyibo. The protagonist in Oyibo does not write a letter, but she tells us her life story and does so provoked by high stakes. So this premise of telling your life story to the leader of a foreign government you read about in the news was so incredibly absurd. And I couldn't get past that. And that's not the only thing that's absurd. It's also absurd that I'm feeling like I'm getting worked up about this. So let me take a deep breath <laughs> and calm down. But before I move on to the second failure of White Tiger, I want to start with reading some critics' reviews of this novel. And this is important to help contextualize what I'm about to say. So these critics' reviews are taken from the actual book. The first few pages of the copy that I purchased contain all of these glowing reviews by literary critics about how wonderful this novel is. And so I'm just going to read you a few of them and it will make sense to you as to why I'm reading them so that when I talk about what I found to be not only the second failure, but the giant disappointment that this book was, you'll see why these reviews are, from my perspective, problematic. Here's one review from the Sunday Times London. There was a huge feeding frenzy among publishers when Attica's first novel, The White Tiger was auctioned at the London Book Fair last spring. It is not hard to see why. Unlike almost any other Indian novel you might have read in recent years, this page-turner offers the completely bald, angry, unadorned portrait of the country as seen from the bottom of the heap. There is not a sniff of saffron or a swirl of sorry anywhere. The Indian tourist board won't be pleased. And here's another review from The Sunday Telegraph, London. The White Tiger is an excoriating piece of work, relentless in its stripping away of the veneer of India rising to expose this rotting heart. I wonder if anyone has guessed by now where I'm going with this. Anyone? Whoa. <laughs> okay, so the reason I read you these reviews is because I personally found White Tiger to be poverty porn to the nth degree. I do understand what Aravind Adiga was trying to do here in terms of combating the idea of telling that single story of India. And I mentioned what some of those are earlier. Like, you know, the Bollywood India, Pacifist Gandhi India, the Guru Yoga Enlightenment Religious Tourism India. I get it. I get that Aravind Adiga was countering Instagram India with the realities of the underbelly of India. And it is important not to sweep these issues under the rug or present a false postcard India. And I get the importance of that and I completely subscribe to it. However, I think in White Tiger, Aravind Adiga falls squarely into the opposite problem of a single story of crushing poverty. And the poverty documented in this novel is crippling, punishing, and unrelenting. There are beggars everywhere. There are starving people, desperate people, hopeless people dropouts malnourished people dying people homeless people it never stops and the writer stereotypes the poor as being lean dark-skinned with rotten teeth devious cunning sly tough non-stop Pawn chewing. I think pawn is supposed to be an herbal stimulant of some sort. On almost every page, there is text about chewing pawn. The novel claims that all servants nurse fantasies of murdering their bosses. All poor people have literary tastes that are confined to trashy pulp fiction. It is so single story, so poverty porn, it hurt my soul. While I do wholeheartedly agree that stereotypes are grounded in some sort of reality, White Tiger reads and feels a lot like punching down. It felt exploitative and the way the critics were loving it just makes me feel like I'm right on the money because we know how that works. We know who poverty porn appeals to. It was gross how much they were loving this. Like they were feasting on the accounts of poor people's dire misfortunes. Give us more. We want to engorge on your suffering. I was so turned off. I choose to believe the author was well intended and White Tiger was supposed to be an expose on the effects of widespread government corruption and the the poorest of the poor being the hardest hit victims of this and this goes back again as to why I think White Tiger should have been written as nonfiction and of course it is essential to tell this truth about corruption and poverty widely and publicly and hold politicians accountable but I'm gonna guess that Arav and Adiga lacked some ownership of this story. The writer did not come across to me as someone who experienced this level of poverty firsthand. and no I do not at all think that writers should only be limited to telling stories stories that are personal experiences and i know firsthand that just as reading helps the reader develop empathy writing helps you develop empathy a thousand times more and i think writers should be able to question everything but in questioning everything we should also question our intentions for telling stories and be careful not to be exploitative take unfair advantage or punch down at the very least though i think fiction writers should cultivate the competence to adequately handle the sense sensitivities around whatever their chosen theme might be. I'd really be interested to know if Aravind Adega had people from the socioeconomic class that he wrote about read White Tiger when it was at the manuscript stage and give him any feedback on his portrayal of them. The whole time I was reading this book, my face was exactly that emoji with all the teeth. I think some people say that emoji is a grin. For me, it represents cringe. You know, like when it's so awkward that you have your teeth clenched like I am right now and I'm talking through my teeth and I'm like, what's going on in this book? This feels super awkward. Kind of like that Chrissy Teigen meme where she's cringing at some Hollywood function. I'll post the meme on social media so that you'll know what I'm talking about and also the emoji. So taking your mind back a little bit, I mentioned earlier that this novel felt like it started out as a satire. Oh, how I wish the tone had remained at satire. Because satire is, and I'm not an expert on it, but satire is typically like political criticism or mockery. Usually tempered with sardonic humor. A vibe kind of like, I'm criticizing you, my country, in the harshest terms possible because I love you that much. Kind of like tough love. But in White Tiger, I didn't <laughs> feel the love for India, not even grudging or reluctant love, just unrelenting anger and disgust lobbed at India. It was non-stop. Okay, I'm gonna stop here. I don't know, guys. Am I a tough customer or what? You guys tell me. <laughs> okay, so let's turn to guessing what Aravind Atticus personality is like. But real quick, I want to invite you to join my mailing list. It is lit. And the best part is, unlike other people, I won't spam you. Go to mistybloom.com to sign up. Okay, back to Arafin Atticus personality profile. I'm gonna admit, this was a hard one for me to glean because I felt like White Tiger was so jammed in or crammed with a lot of text about the theme, which I won't talk about anymore, (laughs) that it was difficult to pick up on or intuit the soul of of the writer. But in any case, I think Aravind Adiga comes across to me as a thinker or maybe a pundit. Yeah, like the person who likes to debate topics with friends while nursing a snifter of scotch. Do you get the picture I'm trying to paint? (laughs) Yeah, so that's what I could come up with. If you know Aravind Adiga, let me know if I'm on the money or way off base. Also, if you've read White Tiger, tell me what you think. Thank you for hanging out with me on this episode of the Misty Bloom Book Club Don't forget to like, share, leave a comment, and subscribe to find me on social media or to contact me for sponsorship opportunities, or if you'd like to become a member of the Misty Bloom Book Club and enjoy all of those wonderful perks, go to www.mistybloom.com for all of my information. Be sure to check out my novel, Oyibo, spelled O-Y-I-B-O, exclusively available on Amazon. Until next time! Keep reading, stay lit, peace and love.